Hi, everyone. Welcome to the fifth episode of Likehearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. What's been going on this week? Oh, you know, just getting caught back up after the holidays. I'm finally taking my Christmas stuff down. I usually take it down right after the new year, but I left it up a couple extra days for a little extra festivity. Are you going through a grieving process right now with it, Honestly, all the lights coming down? Yes. Usually at the new year, I'm like, okay, great. Fresh start, ready for everything to be gone. But this time I'm like, uh, it feels a little empty in here, like a little sad. Yeah. It's it's really nice to have lights up. I, I didn't come from a family where we did a ton of decorations. Like a few years ago, I literally just drew a picture of a Christmas tree and we taped it to the wall. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Which is like blasphemous, I know. For you and like yes. a lot of our friends are super into Christmas. Well, I grew up, my mom owned a gift store for my whole childhood. Mm, so, mm-hmm. you know, we started Christmas early and yeah, I'm, my mom's house is like Christmas exploded. So I love it. You, you could have just left them up and said that you were decorated early for next year. <laughs> Honestly, I'm a purist when it comes to holidays. So I don't typically ever put Christmas up before Thanksgiving. And okay. usually it comes down immediately after the new year. Okay. But I'm just 2020 really, you know, had me all out of sorts. So I, yeah. I left it up. You a needed days. a little extra something. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? Honestly, not that much. I started work back after, you know, our two week winter break, which is always really hard, even though I've, I have a pretty light week as far as meetings and whatnot go, but it's just so hard to start back after a break. I'm doing my own grieving in a way, <laughs> grieving of, of, it's, of it's the break like, and free time. I feel like the Monday after a big break like that is like Sunday scariest times 10. Totally. It's so brutal. Even though yesterday, literally, yesterday was Monday for me, and I think all of my meetings ended up being canceled. And so I really wasn't that busy, but it just – That's lucky. Just hard. All your meetings got canceled? Wow. I don't know. 2021 is looking good for me so far. <laughs> yeah. How have you been growing this week? Honestly, I've, I'm going to count my New Year's organization um, towards this growth topic because I sometimes – I mean – I guess it's that New Year's energy. I'm just like knocking things off my list that have been on for a long time and getting things organized, which is great. But I'm also, I've been back into my human design world a little bit. Um, I, you know, I love learning about things like that. And I'm considering taking a reader training. So I've been looking into that a little bit. That sounds very cool. Yeah. So I'll actually be qualified to read the charts that I do for you guys. I fully support that. <laughs> I think kind of similarly, I don't know that I've really like done anything specific to growing, but I'm planning it. So I ordered a five minute journal that's focused around gratitude. Love that. Um, I'm really excited. I've never done any like very specific gratitude work. And even though I think journaling is super beneficial and I totally get it, it's really hard for me to journal. I don't know why. I, I think it, it maybe comes from when I was younger, I would keep a diary. And then after like two days, I would rip the pages out and rip it up into little tiny pieces because I was so scared that someone would find it and actually know my true thoughts, how devastating I know. So I'm excited to try this as a, a little gateway into journaling, maybe. I think that's great. I um didn't journal for a long time because similarly, 
I kept diaries some when I was younger, and I just felt like every time I would go back and read anything, it was so embarrassing, like the things that oh, I had totally. written. Mm-hmm. It feels so dramatic. It does. But then I got in the habit of it because of, I mean, a gratitude practice is, for me, it was really transformational. It really helped me adjust my attitude because I had just gotten stuck in a lot of negative thought patterns and you don't really realize it's happening when they're looping in your head all the time. And gratitude is a great way to get out of that negative cycle. That's what I'm hoping because I feel like in this last month, I've been kind of in a funk and I'm like, yeah, I need to try something new to like get myself out of this. Yeah. It's like negative thought patterns all the time. And it's maybe not all the time, but it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to get out of them. The other thing I'll say about gratitude is that somebody recommended to me once that instead of thinking of it as gratitude, you can think of it as appreciation. And so it, that mentality kind of switches it from like, oh, I'm grateful for my family and my friends and like those big things that we know that we're grateful for. Sure. And you can focus on appreciating the small things. So like, I appreciate that my husband washed the dishes last night, or I appreciate this warm cup of coffee that's in my hand, like things like that. It makes it smaller and more intentional, I think. Right. And it really, it's the little things that add up that make up the big things a lot of the time. And Taylor and I actually do appreciations every night. We've been doing it for, I'd say at least six months. And it really is great because it helps both of us, I think, just notice things throughout the day that we appreciate, but maybe wouldn't have like cataloged in our minds as like, oh, this is something this person did that I appreciate. It's just like, oh, cool. He did the dishes. But I'm like, oh, hey, thanks. I really appreciate that. That's great. Um, That's a fun thing to do. Yeah, it's nice. Um, So today we are talking about books that changed our lives. And I am super excited about this episode. I've been feeling giddy all morning about it. (laughs) You're a big reader. I am. Yeah. I got into reading probably from a pretty young age. I know we're going to talk more in depth about Harry Potter, but I remember my parents, they used to give us books for Valentine's Day. And when I was in first grade, my Valentine's Day book was the first Harry Potter book. Wow. And I know, I think I really got into reading when I was in middle school. Yeah. So I'd say kind of always feels like books have always been a big part of my life, but definitely in middle school is like where it picked up. Yeah, I can't really remember a time when I didn't love reading. I distinctly remember in the third grade, my teacher read us Harry Potter and The Mm -hmm. the Witch in the Wardrobe. And both of those, I feel like, just really spurred my love of reading. And Mm -hmm. I was always an uh, accelerated reader in elementary school. Did you guys have that? Oh, I forgot about that. AR books. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you would take the quizzes. Yeah. And you had like... Oh, so fun. I use that as my personal challenge. I wanted all the points. I love that. Yeah. So that was probably the start to my uh, passion. I'm kind of bummed that's not a thing. Maybe we need to look into it and see if we need to be in like an AR book club or Yeah, we or can something. make an adult version of AR so that we can challenge our friends to competitions. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Has your taste in books changed over the years? Um, I would say yes and no. I think when I was younger, like high school, I would read more like Sarah Dessen books. Did you ever read her? I don't think so. I don't think I've read any of hers. Okay. So she wrote like The Truth About Forever, This Lullaby, Along for the Ride. It was a lot of books that were about relationships, romantic relationships about like teenagers, basically. 
Wow. And I loved those books. I mean, it sounds like I would have liked them. Really loved them. (laughs) I mean, it's not too late. You can always go back. That's true. If you need a little YA book reading in your life. I haven't read any YA in a while, but it could be a good idea. It's like a (laughs) brain break. It's nice. Yeah. Totally. It's light, not high stakes. Yeah. So I, I I don't read as many fluff books, I would say, as I used to. But I will read a fluff book when I am not really in a reading mood, but I'm trying to like get myself back in that type of that type of reading space. Or if I've read a bunch of books either that are nonfiction and like kind of sad or a bunch of mystery books, then I just need like a break. I'm like, I just need to read something light that doesn't like drain me emotionally. But yeah, I wouldn't say I read as many of those. I've always loved mystery books. So that hasn't oh, yeah. changed. But yeah, and I'm more into reading nonfiction books than I was when I was younger. What about you? Honestly, I feel like my taste has changed quite a lot. I have always liked, you know, thrillers, crime novels, beach reads. Oh, yeah. But I feel like my focus now is primarily personal development. Like, I just love personal development books, which mm-hmm. I know is not normal, but <laughs> it is what it is. But also not surprising because of this podcast. Right. Yeah. And I am bound and determined to get you to read at least a few this year. Like I know you read a lot of other stuff, but you've got Mm -hmm. to at least try some of the lighter ones. I think I can commit to that. Okay. But yeah, so I would say now probably like 80-ish percent of what I read is personal development. Um, I don't read a lot of nonfiction. So if I'm looking for something outside of personal development to give my brain a break, it's going to typically be fiction something light like a beach read. Okay. But I know we want to talk about books that have been really instrumental in our lives that have changed the way we think about things. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it because Harry Potter has been a big influence on both of us. So we need to talk about that. It was the first one on my list because I feel like that series, it was so special to me when I was young. And actually, it was a way that my dad and I bonded because he would go out and buy the book and he would read it for hours. He would just, Mm -hmm. uh, he would sit down. Was he one of those people that would like read it through the night? Yes, he would read it through the night. He would sit down and start reading and he wouldn't finish, he wouldn't get up until he finished. And then he would hand it to me and I would do the same thing. That's really sweet. Yeah. And then when the movies came out, we always saw them together too. So it was just such a good story. I would really love to know if she knew how the whole story was going to play out like from the beginning. Like in book one, did she know how it was going to end? I think so. Actually, I'm not 100% sure, but I had always assumed that she had to have known that just the way that the story is weaved together. Yeah. These books came out during our formative years, so – I feel like they had such a big impact on us because of that. Yeah, that's for sure. But I also just feel like the story and I, when I talk about Harry Potter, I feel like I have to pull back on being really dramatic because I truly feel like it's one of the best stories I've ever read. And totally. Also one of the greatest love stories of our generation, at least. Between who? The friends. Literally gave everything (laughs) his whole life to save people. Wow. I I mean, I love Snape. I love how complicated his character is, but I don't know that I've ever thought of it like a love story. Oh my gosh. I mean, he I know literally he's, gave he's a, his he whole loves life Lily. up because he loved her so much. I know, but it's so depressing because it wasn't given back to him. Yeah, it was sad. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> that's I mean, interesting though. That, that's a big takeaway. Yeah, I don't know. I it's just really think it, what an incredible character that he his love was so big that he was able to do all of those things and also 
save everybody, like put his life on the line and save everyone because he loved her so much. Is Snape your favorite character? No. Okay, who is? Actually, this is probably a weird, like, random, not random, but like, kind of side character, but I really love Lupin. Oh, yeah. He's so good. Who's your favorite character? I really don't know, and I'm regretting asking you that question because (laughs) it's so hard to pick one. There's so many good ones. And I think, too, I get there's some characters that come alive for me in the movies that didn't as much in the books, like Bellatrix. Yeah. She's so good. She's in like Harner is so good. She did an incredible job with that character, but also I wouldn't ever even think about her as a favorite character. I guess because I identify so much with like quote unquote the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting thing is I feel like I re- was able to really strongly form my opinions about everybody through the books without having seen the movies, which is not the case for probably a lot of the generation that came after us. Yeah, because I would guess that a lot of kids saw the movies. Either at the same time they were reading the books or before or or yeah. something like that. Um, I really love Neville. Oh, I yes. Loved, I loved Luna for sure. Mm-hmm. Harry, I don't care about that much. Honestly, same. I do love Hermione though. <laughs> oh, yeah. They would all have been dead without her. Yeah. Truly. For sure. What about like the Hunger Games and Divergent and Twilight? Like where did oh, you gosh. read those books? Yeah. No, actually just – brought i have the box set of all three of those series too i just brought them home from my parents recently so i could reread them i would say well obviously none of them stack up to harry potter but no i would say that i i was a huge twilight fan in high school i was also a big hunger games fan i feel like now hunger games holds up a lot better than twilight but i'll let you know what my thoughts after i reread them again and then divergent was good i don't think i feel like the movie soured my opinion on it a little bit because i didn't think they were very good I would agree with that. Yeah, I kind of hated the movies. I don't know that I even saw – I think I saw the first two, and then after that, I think I quit. They just – but didn't they change the movies a bit from the books? I'm not 100% sure, but I hate when they do that, so it would explain why I didn't like the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'm the same. I think Hunger Games is definitely my next favorite after Harry Potter. And then, honestly, yeah, probably Twilight and then Divergent. Yeah. I can't believe all of these series came out when we were – in high school. I mean, obviously not Harry Potter, but like. But some of them came out, yeah, when we were in high school. Yeah. And I feel like those three series were big. And I don't feel like I've seen anything similar to them since then. No. And I spent a lot of time with kids and I feel like I would have heard about the, a, a new book series for I feel like there's a real hole kids. in the market here. There is. Maybe we should see if we can come up with a really interesting fantasy world. We'd also have to get a ghostwriter because there's no way I could write a book. Yeah, same. All right. Well, maybe maybe not. We'll we'll leave that one on the back burner for now. All right. Is there a book that you wanted to talk through? Yeah, I think my my first book that I picked that was kind of life changing was The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chabowski. Oh my gosh! I literally when I was preparing for this and looking through my bookshelf, I set that aside to reread it. <gasps> Ugh, it's. I think it's the only book I've ever read more than once. The only yes. book? Yes, I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. I love to reread things. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I read this book at a Barnes & Noble. I don't think I – maybe not the entire thing, but I definitely read at least like the first 40 pages when I went to a Barnes & Noble one night and just sat in one of their big comfy chairs. And I knew pretty quickly in – I was like, this is my favorite book. Wow. I was in – I think I was in eighth grade, maybe ninth. And I 
love a coming of age story. It's my favorite genre type. And so The Pursuing Wallflower, if you haven't read it, is about this kid named Charlie. He's entering into high school. And the whole book is told through letters that he's writing to someone he doesn't know. And so it's just about him navigating adolescence, but also dealing with some very adult themes. And it's just really good. I love it. It really was really good. Yeah. Um, what would, what's your second one? My second one, and I know I've already mentioned this on the podcast, but it bears repeating. You're a Badass is probably the best personal development book that I've read. It's the one that I recommend to everybody because I feel like it's light. Uh, Jen Sincero is the author and she's so funny. Okay. It explains more complicated topics in a really digestible way with um, lots of funny stories relating to the content throughout. So, Okay. Yeah. I'm realizing as you're talking about it, I'm like, I've definitely seen, I can like envision the the book cover in my head. I, what is it even about? I don't even know. All right. The subtitle is How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. So it talks a little bit about like our conditioning and how things in our past have gotten in our way. Um, and then it talks through kind of how to mm. – actually, part four, the title is How to Get Over Your BS Already. Oh, I like that. I do really like bluntness. Yeah, there's a lot people. of um, cursing and, yeah, very uh, to-the-point, honest kind of um, rhetoric. And I don't know. I just really liked it. I think everybody should read it. Okay. High praise. All right. What's your second book? Um, all right. My second one is A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, What I Learned While Editing My Life. It's by Donald Miller. And so his first book that was kind of, I think, yeah, it was pretty popular is called Blue Like Jazz. And so this book is about when he was trying to write a screenplay for that book. And he is just kind of in a place in his life where he feels very stalled and he just like isn't sure what his purpose is anymore. But he starts to think of his life as a story and wants to live his life in a way in, that's like a book that he would want to read. Wow. And so he does some really cool things like he bikes across America and he starts putting himself out there more romantically and that type of thing. It's definitely laced with some privilege because obviously not everybody can just quit their jobs and go <laughs> bike across America. But I, it has a really great message. It sounds good. And I love the, I, yeah, I love the idea of thinking of your life as a story and like you are the writer. You get to decide how it's told. And I actually finished this book when I was on an airplane and I cried. Oh my gosh. Which is so unlike me. You cried? I know. Uh, I think that means I have to read it. And in public. Wow. Did you feel very vulnerable afterwards? Oh, absolutely. Vulnerability hangover? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But yeah, very good. Highly recommend. Uh, All right. What's your number three? Okay. So this is an interesting one. It's called Money and the Law of Attraction, and it's by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And this is a weird concept, but Abraham Hicks is an entity that Esther is able to channel. So if you're unfamiliar with channeled work, it's basically where the author receives kind of a download from whatever higher power you believe in. And it's really fascinating. I found it. 
you can look up Abraham Hicks on YouTube and like listen to her channel. But I found out about them and kind of researched it and looked into it and heard the difference in her voice talking as herself, as Esther Hicks. And then what she sounds like when she's downloading Abraham, like when she's channeling Abraham. And her voice changes, which is weird. And of course, I, at that point, didn't really believe in things like this. So I was like trying to poke holes in her story Mm -hmm. and like, you know, figure out how she was doing it. But I personally believe that she's actually channeling it. So they have a couple of books out. And this one, while it's called Money and the Law of Attraction, it actually isn't really that much about money. It has a section about money. It has a section about um, physical well-being, so like health and body image stuff. And then it also Mm -hmm. has a section about career. And I find that these passages in here are really helpful for me if I'm feeling particularly down about one of those subjects. It's really nice reference book. So I go back through and read whatever section feels best. And I find it really comforting. So that's been a great one. Yeah. All right. My number three is When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. This is truly one of the best books I've ever read. It's a memoir about Paul uh, who finds out in his mid-30s after 10 years of medical training to be a neurosurgeon that he has stage four lung cancer. Oh, gosh. Um, I know. It's devastating. So the whole book, he's writing about his identity and trying to answer the question of what makes for a meaningful life. And like, what do you do when your future and everything you've worked for suddenly isn't available to you anymore? Yeah, it's so good. I actually, I think you would love it. I actually think that you've recommended that to me before. Did you read it for book club? I read it before book club, but then I picked it as my book club choice. Yeah, I didn't know that you've said that before, and I absolutely need to read it. You do. Yeah, I was, I'm thinking maybe what we need to do at the end of this is assign each other for the year at least like three books or something. Oh, that's a great idea. So maybe we can think about it and figure out, but yeah, commit to reading three of each other's book choices. Okay. So my fourth book is from the summer when all of the Black Lives Matter and the racial tensions were happening, I bought Me and White Supremacy. And I have never looked at myself the way that I did while I was reading that book. And honestly, it's one of those that it absolutely changed the way I think about myself. But also, it's something that is... I think it's important to continue to look at. So it's one of the books that I keep on my bedside table. Totally. Yeah, that one has been on my list, but I haven't actually read it yet. It's so actionable. And that's why I love it. Each chapter goes through a different aspect of racism and white Mm -hmm. supremacy. And then it has reflection questions at the end of the chapter. So it's actually meant to be like a daily, um, like you go through one chapter per day. Oh, cool. So it's kind of like a book and a workbook. Exactly. Yeah. It was really helpful. And the questions at the end, the reflection questions really help you look at how you are contributing to racism and how you've internalized some, how you've internalized discrimination of different types. Definitely. And it is something that's like, we all have to do our own work. Absolutely. And look into that. Yep. Okay. My number four is Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Have you read this? I have not read this, but I'm not surprised that you picked it because we've talked about this a lot. I'm I'm familiar with the attachment styles, and I think it's a really incredible tool, but I haven't read it. Okay. So this book was recommended to me by my therapist, and it actually took a while for me to read it. Like She recommended it to me pretty early on, I think 
in our work together. And it took me at least a year before I actually sat down and read it, but it's so, so good. I don't think I've ever felt more seen by a book before. Uh, so if you've taken a Psych 101 class, you've probably heard of attachment styles in babies, but adults have attachment styles in their relationships as well, which I didn't know that until I read this book. So Is this um, specifically for romantic relationships or is it for all relationships? It's definitely targeted more towards romantic relationships, but I have found that you can you you can still use it for friendships as well. Okay. Some of the tips in it, yeah. So you can be anxious, avoidant, or secure. And so for anxious attachment, those types of people tend to think about their relationships a lot and they're worried that their partner doesn't love them back. And then avoidant people think of intimacy as a loss of independence and they try to minimize closeness. And then secure people just feel comfortable with intimacy and they're pretty great at being in a relationship. The tricky thing is that anxious people and avoidant people are drawn to each other. Ooh. They get into this vicious cycle of confirming familiar patterns. And so anxious people, when they're dating somebody who's avoidant, when that person is distant, they're like, oh, I need to like cling on to them more because I'm scared they don't love me. And I'm thinking about this all the time. And then avoidant people are like, see, this person is trying to smother me and I'm losing my independence. And so they get in this cycle of like confirming their beliefs and it's just, it doesn't work out ever. <laughs> and so basically you, the book goes through like a ton of different stories and helps you. There's also a quiz that like helps you identify what your attachment style is. Your partner can also take it and figure out what they are. Do you feel um, comfortable sharing your attachment style? Yes, I am anxious attachment. I could have probably guessed <laughs> Yeah, that, which but. is not shocking. <laughs> but thank you for pretending to not know and asking me. <laughs> but the good thing too is that it doesn't feel – it's not like a hopeless book because you can change your attachment style. Yeah. So by being in a relationship with somebody who is secure, after you have enough corrective experiences, you can become secure yourself. Um, That's hopeful. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. Even if you are like a secure attached person, if you're interested in how relationships work, it's you'd still like it. Yeah. All right. My last one is a happy pocket full of money because I love talking about all things money mentality, law of attraction, mm -hmm. just any like anything about our brain and how our thoughts impact the world around us, I think is really, really fascinating. And this book in particular explains some of those concepts really well. And it's one of the books that I um, like, I'll just pick up and read a chapter here or there. It's an easy read. I've never even heard of this one. Honestly, I don't even I don't even think it's like crazy popular or anything. It's just one of the I mean, I've read a lot of law of attraction books. And this one is probably the most well-rounded and easiest to digest. And also the chapters are split such that you can read one and it doesn't have that much impact on the chapters around it. So it's easy to just pick up and read a little bit here and there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that, that you can, they're kind of like essays or something. Exactly. And it also, sometimes I'll pick it up and read a chapter here or there if I'm journaling or like need to kind of start my creative process it's just one of those books that kind of gets you in the right headspace for um, any sort of like personal ritual or self-improvement kind of time. Okay. I guess I tend to do that with a lot of books now that I'm thinking about it. A lot of these personal development books, I will either, if I'm reading one, I'll start with that like as part of my routine, my morning routine or whatever. Um, or if 
if I'm not in the middle of something, then I'll just pick up one of my favorite books and kind of read here or there as a kickoff to kind of that introspective time. Yeah. And I'm sure each time you read that type of thing, it probably triggers something different that you hadn't thought about before. Yes. Cool. Um, All right. My last book is called The Year of Less by Kate Flanders. I've heard of that one. Okay. I don't remember how I came across this book, but I really love to shop, even though I have a lot of fears around money, but I still like to buy things. And so this book is about this girl who was in like a ton of debt and she was living beyond her means and she was pretty miserable, but she spends a year getting rid of stuff that she doesn't need and only replacing things when she has to. So like if she runs out of her makeup foundation, she can buy more foundation, but she's not buying anything she doesn't need. And so she does it for an entire year and each chapter she lays out like how much money she either saved or like how much she put towards her debt, how what percentage of her belongings she doesn't have anymore. And it's just really interesting and did you do a year of yet of less? I didn't do a year of less, but I did do three months of less. Oh, cool. So yeah, at the beginning of 2019, I started and I was at first like, okay, I'm just going to do this for a month and see how it goes. Um, but I ended up doing three. And so I deleted Instagram. I unsubscribed from every clothing store that I really like to shop at. And it was hard, It, but I appreciated it because it taught me what my triggers are. Mm. And so I'm definitely an emotional shopper. Oh, interesting. So when I'm feeling down or whatever, it's like a little shot of adrenaline or whatever to mm-hmm. to purchase something. I uh, also think that a lot of those things are really based in habit. Like I've never done anything like that, but I have at some point, it's been a, a couple years, but I promised myself that for a set amount of time, I just wouldn't buy anything on Amazon. And just breaking the habit of like being like, oh, I see this thing and let me buy it. It made me put a little space between me and the decision to press the button and ask myself if I really needed it. So ever since I did that, I shop at Amazon way less. Yeah. I think it's a really good practice. Even if you have a ton of money and you can do whatever you want, it's really interesting to see what your habits and your triggers are around spending. Because we live in such a consumerist society, you can't escape from it, but it's it's good to know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, do you have any honorable mentions? Yes, I had a hard time narrowing this down. But I want to say The Seat of the Soul is a great book, and it was recommended to me on Oprah's podcast. And Of course. <laughs> all hail Queen Oprah. I freaking love her. I can't um, believe we haven't talked about Oprah. I know. She's it's, literally my hero. But We're five episodes in. <laughs> yes. Well, she actually wrote uh, one of the forwards, and Maya Angelou, who I also love, wrote the other forward. So I would highly recommend it. Oprah says that it changed her life. So obviously, it's an amazing book. It's got to be good. Yeah. Um, the other one is The Master Key System. And honestly, wouldn't necessarily recommend this to anybody, but it did change my life in that it's a law of attraction book that was written in 1912. Um, and seeing that type of content being written that long ago was really inspiring to me because I feel like that's uh, law of attraction is something that I've only heard in the last probably four years. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just really crazy to me that it was um, the same concept concepts were being taught as uh, self-improvement back in the day. Yeah. Um, and the last one is we read Siddhartha in high school. And to be totally honest, I could not even tell you what it's about. But I remember just feeling having so many feelings when we finished it, like I just felt different. It felt really mm-hmm. profound. And actually, when we were preparing this, I decided that I would reread that this year, just so I could see if I, my second experience is the same as the first. I don't. Yeah, I've definitely heard of that one. But I've, I don't know that I've ever read it. So I might need to add that one to my list. Yeah. I only have one honorable mention, although Harry Potter is an honorable mention always. Obviously. Obviously. But my only honorable mention is The Last Child by John Hart. It's one of my all-time favorite mystery books. I am such a guesser, and I could not figure this one out. Oh, I love it when you can't figure it out. Yeah. So would definitely recommend that if you are into mysteries. Is there anything from 2020 that you read that you really liked? Yeah, definitely. I read Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. I'm not, I'm definitely not saying her last name right, but Lori G. And it is nonfiction, but it reads like a a fiction book. Mm. And so she is a therapist and she actually used to be a writer though for ER. And wow. then had, yeah, it's, she's super interesting. And then she transitioned into being a therapist, very smart. Um, but the book goes kind of back and forth between her own personal therapy journey and then a few of her different clients. Oh man, it's very good. And then I also read Talking to Strangers by Malcolm oh, Gladwell. Oh yes. I love Malcolm Gladwell. I actually haven't read any of his books, but Revisionist History is incredible. Oh yeah. That's a great podcast. Well, you you got to read Talking to Strangers. Yeah. It's very good. Or I would recommend listening to it. I did the audio book. Yeah, I because it's love him. his voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And it's kind of like just listening to a really long podcast. Mm-hmm. The other one that I would recommend from this year was called A Woman is No Man. Hmm. And the author actually went to NC State. Oh. And she has a coffee shop bookstore called Books and Beans. And her name is Etoff Rum. And so the book is about, it's kind of loosely based on her life. Um, But so she grew up in a Muslim family in America. And it's told from three generations of women in her family and their experience in America. It is so, so good. I actually got to sit in on an interview with her, one of my friend's is a professor at a community college and she had her class read that book and then invited her on to interview. And I got to sit in and listen in the zoom that happened earlier this year. That's so cool. I'm definitely going to have to read that one. Yeah. You've got to. Um, What about you? What were some of your highlights from 2020? I'm going to be honest. I actually probably did the least reading in 2020, but interesting. I know I, well, see, I think what happened is I was not a movie person. I've never been a movie person. I like growing up, we didn't watch a lot of movies. I have never been big on like going to the theater to see new movies. I probably see in normal times. I probably see like one movie a year, maybe two. And you, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> do you mean like you only go to the theater once a year or you only no, watch no, no, no. one movie? A no, year? No, the theater. I only go to the theater once okay. a year. 
I was like, holy cow. Um, How is that possible? But even still, like, before, I just wasn't watching a movie. It was – I would choose TV over a movie any day. Okay. But – I feel like I've gotten into a good rhythm with catching up on some of the movies that I haven't seen before in quarantine. So we're watching a lot more movies now. And I feel like that's part of the reason I haven't read as much. But I did read a series in 2020. Actually, I started in 2019, but I finished it in 2020. That changed my life because Outlander is so good. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Seriously, it's so good. And I wish that I had known that it was a book series before I watched it on Netflix, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I watched seasons one through three on Netflix, and then I realized it was a book series. And there's actually eight books, and she's already written nine, and I can't wait for it to come out. But it's incredible story. It's a love story, but also there's time travel and war and like politics and stuff like that, which is kind of my dream. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah. And it's a little steamy, just to be fair, but it's so good. And all of the books are about a thousand pages long. So it took me a while to get through it. But I was, yeah, yeah, I was really dedicated. Actually, I have the first four and I know that once the the ninth one comes out, I'll probably end up buying five through eight and also rereading them all before I do the ninth one. So it's like one of those series I know that I'm going to be in love with for a while, you know, kind of like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what books are on your list to read this year? Um, okay. So besides the ninth Outlander book, assuming it comes out, mm-hmm. um, I have Women Who Run With Wolves, which I'm wanting to read. I actually think my sister might be reading that. Oh, really? Right I also want to read Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I That's I've, on my list. Oh, really? I've heard that they're similar books, um, but I love Glennon Doyle, so I'll probably read both of them. Okay. Maybe we should sync up and read it at the same time. Oh, and that sounds like a good idea. It. Yeah. Okay. I bought The Alchemist with – I'm going to butcher his name, but Paolo Coelho or, or however you say it. Okay. I, I brought bought like his best books in a set, um, and The Alchemist is in that. So I want to start with The Alchemist, but I probably am going to want to read all of them. Um, and then also one of my favorite Money Mentality people, Amanda Francis, wrote a book, and it just came out, and it's called Rich as Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll probably – and I already said that I want to reread Siddhartha, and then when we were going through – when I was going through the bookshelf, there were several that I was like, oh, this would – I'm ready to reread this now. So yeah. I set a couple aside there as well. What about you? Yeah. So Untamed is on there. I really want to read Atomic Habits. I can't oh, remember yeah. the name of the author, but I think mm-hmm. that'll be good. Um, And then whatever the books are that you tell me I should read. I do want to read more self-improvement books this year, but I don't, I don't have a ton of – I don't like follow authors, I guess. And so I don't know what's coming out this year, but I keep a pretty lengthy list on my Goodreads account of books that I want to read. So, Okay. And then also I'm in a book club, and so I'll have 11 books this year that I'll read through there. Yeah. I feel like that's a a really good way to keep up your reading habit with stuff that you might not necessarily read yourself. Yeah, definitely. There's even our January book is a historical fiction book, which is I love historical fiction. And every book that's gotten chosen in our book club that's been like that, I've enjoyed, but it's not something I would ever seek out myself. Interesting. 
All right. So are we doing this challenge or what? I feel like we should because our, especially because our preferences are so different. I feel like. Yeah, it'll be good. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you your three assigned books for the year. Okay. So one is A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Okay. Which isn't that a great title. Yeah. I love to say it. The second one is When Breath Becomes Air. Great. I'm excited about that. And then the third is going to be A Woman is No Man. Okay. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to hear, yeah, if you like them. All right. What are my three? Okay. Obviously, I'm going to pick You Are a Badass, and I think that you should read that one first, personally. I think it's really good. Okay. Okay. Second, and this is maybe a little bit farther out of your comfort zone than any of the others, is A Journey of Souls. It is what it is the book that if Seb were to tell you what book changed his life, it would be this one. It the book is about a I think he's a hypnotherapist. Um he talks to people about their um near death experiences and what happens to them when they pass and come back. Um and it's a bunch of case studies. So it's just, it's fascinating. And it really changed Seb's perspective on why we as humans exist on the planet. So that'll oh be interesting. Gosh. I feel nervous and excited. I'm excited to hear what you think about it. Okay. And a then journey of journey of souls. Souls. Is that what's a journey of souls? Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then the last one is, and I'm sorry for this in advance, but I'm going to have to say the first oh, no. Outlander book, even though it's a thousand pages. I'm sorry, but it's okay. okay. <laughs> I'll get started really soon, so I have a whole year to finish it. Great. Am I allowed to listen to it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what way okay. you read it. I would say what that, format. yeah, it's probably easier to get through that much content on audiobook anyways. Okay. I'm excited. I love this challenge. I'm so excited we decided to do this. I know. And this might have to become like a yearly thing. Yeah. Sounds great. And hopefully we can read Untamed at the same time. Yes. So next week, we are going to be talking about a topic that we discuss all the time, which is anxiety. Our friend. My palms are sweating just hearing the word. It should be lots of fun. I know we have tons to say on the topic, so I'm excited to discuss. Yeah, it's that's going to be an interesting one for sure. All right. You can follow us at likeheartedpod on Instagram and we will talk to you next week. Bye.